Okay, we on? Good morning, everyone. Excellent. If you've got a Bible, could you please go to Psalm 134? 134. We haven't been meeting for a couple of weeks. We've had our kind of annual break, so I hope you managed to have a little bit of downtime and time off. Myself and the family, we had a little bit of a holiday. We went over to Northern Ireland. Uh, We did a house swap with my brother, and so we stayed over there for, I think it was just under two weeks. We had a lovely time, rested, relaxed, saw lots of wonderful places, new places, spent time on the beach and basically chilled out. So I hope you've had a relaxing time. We've also got the bank holiday tomorrow to look forward to. And apparently it's going to be a heat wave. It's feeling warm, which is good. All of the summer comes very kind of in one dose. So be careful tomorrow, but enjoy the time together with friends and family. What we're going to do today is we are looking at the final part of our series on the Psalms of Ascent, which we actually began way back in January. January. It's taken us a while to get through 15 psalms, but with Easter and uh, the elder thing, and then we looked at more and more as we're halfway through the year, we've kind of had some breaks. But here we are. We've made it the end of our journey. Um, and we have had, um, as part of our kind of series on the, um, the psalms, because we've looked at life's playlist, because the psalms were songs sung by the people of God um, on their way to Jerusalem, these particular ones. We've asked some of our leaders to come and share so you get to meet them, hear a little bit about them, what their playlists for life are, what they've been listening to, what kind of music they like. Um, And we've learned along the way that some of uh, our leaders here like Gangster Rap and Little Mix, some of them have a particular passion for Disney and or Radio 4. So there's an eclectic mix going on there. And today we have our last one. One of our leaders is going to come and join us. So can we have a hand for Pete Hackett, please? Pete, Pete, you grab the mic there. It should be on. So Pete's going to come and share his playlist for life with you. Good morning. I've been given two minutes, so here we go. Okay, my name is Pete. Uh, I'm married to the lovely Claire. And I've got, uh, we have got, sorry, three kids. Uh, Peter and Jess, who you probably know. Uh, we've also got another son. He lives up in Liverpool, or Jacob. Um, yeah, so we've been coming to Real Life Church for a little over three years now. Claire serves in the, as part of the worship team, and, and I uh, help lead one of the year four to six kids teams. Uh, for a job, I am a drawing office manager for a precast uh, concrete company. Um, so, music and playlist. Uh, basically, I've got... Two playlists, one that I call my favourite church tune, so all my Christian stuff gets dumped into that one, and then I've got another playlist for everything else. Um, the criteria for what goes on those playlists is really simple. If I like it, it'll go on, and I'll listen to it. If I don't like it, it won't go on. So there's no gangster rap, <laughs> and there's no Disney music on there. Um, so my Christian tunes playlist, I suppose, if I was to pick a favourite ch- song off that at the moment, it'd be something like, oh, I forget what it's called, it's something like who, who I Say I Am, is that right? Uh, I couldn't tell you who sings it, because I don't really know, I just, I just like it for what it is, because that's what I do, I don't really go for a particular person or band, I think it's a Hill song, is that right? Yeah, okay, good. Um, okay, so 
on my other playlist, I suppose, it's, it's a little bit diverse. There's all sorts on there. Um, I've got uh, Paul Simon. I love Paul Simon. A couple of albums. I think someone mentioned Graceland the, the other week. Uh, was it Hannah Tiffer mentioned that she likes that album? Um, I've got Neil, some Neil Diamond. There's a little bit of Lady Gaga on there, a little Pink, uh, Jess Glynn, Paloma Faith, um, like quirky kind of songs. Um, Katie Melia is on there. As well. There's a load of other stuff as well. So, so it's a little bit kind of diverse. Um, Favourite song off that playlist at the moment? I suppose uh, there's a song off the A Star Is Born soundtrack. Um, what's it called? Uh, uh, Always Remember Us This Way. So I, I don't even know the titles of these songs. I just listen to them because I like them. Um, so, so that's that's kind of a a good song at the moment. Uh, when do I listen to these these playlists? Again, whenever I. Whenever I feel like it, if I feel like listening to music, I'll listen to music. If I don't feel like it, if I want to be quiet, I won't listen to it. So I suppose the only difference between the two playlists, I'd say, is if I feel like I want to be lifted, um, I want to be encouraged, I always go to the, the church tunes playlist first. I'll make that my first porter call because I think all the rest is more kind of just for, for pleasure and enjoyment. So. Probably a little bit over two minutes, so Stu, but uh, that's, that's me. Thanks Brilliant. for listening. Thank you. Oh, you took that back for you. Thank you, Pete. All right. Okay, let's get back to the Psalms of Ascent. I hope you found Psalm 134. A little bit of background on those Psalms. Um, psalms number 120 to 134 are a, a group of Psalms within the whole body of the Psalms, and they are given the title of the Psalms of Ascent. And what they were with these um, Psalms were one sung by the people of God as they traveled from their homes in Israel to Jerusalem for the three annual feasts which were laid down in the law of Moses. They were told that they would go and they would gather together as the people of God three times a year. Uh, and the three feasts were the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which was the Passover, the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, and the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles as it was known. Okay, And so the people of God were told to gather together into Jerusalem three times a year for these feasts and to celebrate. And as they were traveling there, they would sing these songs. And they get their name, Ascent, the Psalms of Ascent, because Jerusalem was a city set on a hill. And so the idea was as the pilgrim would ascend to the city, they would be singing these songs. And then in the city was the temple. And the temple was on the Temple Mount in the city. So that was the, the highest point in the city. So again, they would be ascending to the temple. So that's where we get um, their name. And if you've been following along with us, we've gone through all the Psalms though, so far. And you will find that they cover the highs and lows of life. They cover the ups and downs. Some of the Psalms are very much upbeat, uplifting, looking at God. And isn't he wonderful? Isn't he great? While other Psalms are very much life is tough. Life sucks. I'm surrounded by enemies. Uh, I am being persecuted. I'm being trod down and oppressed and crying out to God. And so for us, they really are a playlist for life. If you study through them, you'll get all aspects of emotions and feelings that will cover all the highs and lows of the life uh, we face together. And we've gone through them all. And if you could put up the set, here they are. They basically come in groups of three. There's 15 of them, three sets, uh, five sets of three. 
And they basically work in a little cycle. So the first set of three, Psalm 121, sorry, 120, 121, 122, cover these areas. The first one is usually a situation of stress, something bad's happening. The second one is usually the Lord's power to deliver. And the final one is something about the Lord kind of bringing the pilgrim home to Jerusalem where that's where they were heading. And you go through all three all four cycles of three, that first lot. And then the last one, which we're in now, is the final cycle of three, is where actually the pilgrim has reached Jerusalem. They've finally reached their destination through all the difficulties of travel and getting there and life. And now they've arrived. And we've got to the last of the last set. So this is the very last one. So they've finally made it into the city of Jerusalem, into the temple. They're there. And we're going to have a little look at that. But what we've also got, each of our sermons we've um, added to a song to carry these themes of songs and life and we've had a whole numerous bouts of songs that we've attached to our sermons to remind you and we have our final one today so can we play that and do you recognize it Okay, who can tell me who wrote that one? Brian Dirksen, yeah, Vineyard Music. We're going back a few years. Anyone tell me the year? Oh, okay, Divan. Is it scary that you were that kind of on the money there? 1999, last millennium that was, but it still sits with us. Okay, so I've gone, rather than being one of the sort of um, more secular songs, this is a, a church song, but it fits very nicely with what we're looking at today. Come, now is the time to worship. Let's read Psalm 134 um, together, and we'll, um, we'll see how this fits in. Psalm, very short psalm. Here's what it says. It says, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is the maker of heaven and earth. That's it. The final poem of the Psalms of Ascent, very short one. The, the pilgrims have reached Jerusalem. They've found their way to the temple court, to the sanctuary where God's temple is, and they are about to worship him before um, returning back to their homes. And this this psalm is a summons to praise God. It isn't actually addressed directly to God. It's actually addressed to the people of God to praise their God together. And they've made their way to the temple, and the temple in the center of Jerusalem was was the center of the life of the people of God. Everything kind of pointed towards that. The, sem- the temple was in the center of the city of God, the city of David, Jerusalem, and all the pilgrims would have traveled from the nation of Israel around to that place that so everyone had gathered. It was the focal point, and in the center of the city is the temple, and in the center of the temple you have the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God dwelt on earth amongst his people. And this is where they'd finally gathered to. They'd gone through this journey 
through the difficulties of travel, the highs and lows, the threat of attack from bandits and the like, and the oppressive weather, and all those things that are going on. And they finally made it there. The point of their journey, the reason for being, um, is, is now being outworked by the people of God. And the big idea for today is the ultimate purpose of the people of God is to worship God. The ultimate purpose of the people of God is to worship God. And this psalm doesn't focus on the hostile world outside, but focuses in on God's people. And the psalm, uh, the, the praises they're going to sing to God as it, but it also finishes, if you notice, with a blessing for the people of God as they return home. So let's get into the psalm and have a little look at it. And there's two parts of this psalm I want to look at. The first one, part one, verses one and two, is now is the time to worship. And it says in verses 1 and 2, Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. It begins with an invitation. Come. An invitation to enter God's presence. Don't stand on the outside. Don't stand at the door looking in, peering in. Don't, don't be on the fringe. Don't be on the edge. Don't be kind of thinking, uh, should I, shouldn't I? Don't be on the fence in two minds. The, the invitation is very strong from the outset. Come, come in. Come and be a part of this. Come and join what is happening. Come and get involved. Come and play your part. Come and be an active contribution to what is happening. Um, Mel and I, we were in Northern Ireland the last couple of weeks, and we were driving uh, down this road, one of these main roads, and we saw this sign that we didn't kind of work out what it was first, but we realized it was for a church meeting, and it had a great big sign. There was a a, a chair, one of these chairs, just chairs, just sitting on the side, and it said, there's a seat for you here. And I did the double take. What's that about? Then underneath it had the name of the, like a, a church saying, come and join us. And it's that invitation. There's a place for you here. There are empty seats, which means you can come and you can sit and you can be part of what's going on. So it begins with a very strong invitation. Come, people of God. Then it describes them. It says them as servants of the Lord. And this is a reference to the entire community of God's people, not just the priests uh, who would have been at the temple serving, but actually all God's people come together. They've traveled from their homes to Jerusalem. They've made their way to the temple courts before the presence of God, and they are given the title of servants of God, which is a way of recognizing that whatever you do in life, whatever the situation is, God is ultimately the one in charge. He's the one who has ultimate power and authority, not us. We like to think we're in charge. We're in charge of this, our lives and we get to choose. But ultimately, he's the one in charge. He's the one who has sovereign power over everything and we are merely his servants. And so we are, they referred to as the servants of the Lord. And in this context, they're given two commands. The first command in verse 1, it says they are to bless the Lord. The second one, in the second verse, it says they are to lift up their hands. And at the end of that second verse, the first one is repeated again. Bless the Lord. And so they kind of form a sandwich. Bless the Lord, lift up your hands, bless the Lord again. In case you missed it first time around, we'll say it again, just as a reminder to you. And this word bless, sometimes it's translated praise. In your Bible, it might say praise. It appears over 400 times in the Old Testament. It's a common word, and it can mean praise or exalt or bless. And it can be used between um, man and man, but also God and man as well. There's times when 
We find in Genesis 27 where we said Isaac uh, blessed his son Jacob. And there's that blessing um, he passed on with there. We see it um, in God blessing humans in uh, Genesis 12 where it says God blessed Abraham and gave him that great promise of that. Also, so we see God blessing creation. When he'd made the heavens and the earth, it said God blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. That, that seventh day um, of creation there. And the pilgrims here are told to come and bless the Lord or to praise the Lord. And bless in this context, praise means to speak well of, to exalt, to lift up, to praise his name. And so the people of God are being called to come and lift up the name of the Lord, to praise him, to lift him, to exalt him, to give him honor that is due his name. And why would they do this? Why is this command given to God's people? Well, it's, because it's given because of who God is and what God has done. Because who God is and what God has done. Now, you've got to remember, they're there for the feast, the, the three annual feasts. One of those was the Passover. If you know about the Passover, you go back to the book of Exodus, the story of Moses, where God freed his people who were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, fulfilling promises he'd made many, many hundreds of years beforehand, and they were set free. They were redeemed. And God brought them out of slavery, plagues, part in the Red Sea, they come out into the wilderness, worship God at Mount Sinai, where he gives them the Ten Commandments, which we're going to be looking at in a couple of weeks. And so that's, that's the, kind of the background. So when the people of God are coming to worship and coming to praise him, that's the context. Who is God? Well, God is a covenant-keeping God. He's a God who keeps his promises. He made promises way back to Abraham. And they were now remembering those promises, coming into the promised land under Joshua, which we've looked at not so long ago. And they're now in that promised land, living, celebrating, and they're remembering this is who God is. They're remembering what God's done. He brought them out of slavery. They were once slaves in Egypt, and they had no way out, no hope. They couldn't get free. They were under the, the boot of a cruel tyrant who oppressed them, and they were hopeless and helpless, but God came and rescued them and saved them and drew them out. And he said, you are my people and I am your God and I will rescue you and bring you out. And I will look after you and I love you. Not because you're better than anyone else or more perfect than anyone else, but just because I've chosen to do that in my grace and mercy. So they were celebrating that. And that's not too dissimilar from what we do here on a Sunday. Where we come and we gather together. And as we gather together, we celebrate and we remind ourselves of who God is and what he's done. In the songs we sing, they are full of truth about the wonderful nature and character of God. They're full of truth about how he saved us and he redeemed us. Because the picture of the exodus of those coming out of slavery is the picture that runs throughout the entire Bible. And even when we get to our New Testament, it's the same picture for us as Christians in the church. It hasn't changed. We were slaves. We were slaves not in Egypt or Pharaoh, but we were slaves to sin, the Bible says. We were, we were helpless and hopeless. We couldn't get out the way. We were, just, we were stuck there, and rightly we were under judgment because of that, because of the things that we'd done, the evil we'd done in our life. But God came. He sent a Redeemer, not Moses, but a better Moses, who was Jesus, who came, lived amongst us. 
He lived the life we couldn't live, perfect, sinless. He died the death we should have died on the cross for our sins. And he rose bodily from death, victorious, proclaimed the good news and said, you can be free because if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. And so we can be free from the power and the consequences of sin. We can go into the promised land with Jesus as our great redeemer. And so as we gather on Sunday, that's what we do as well. And so the first command there is to praise the Lord, lift up his name, do it. And it comes twice just for emphasis. Don't just do it once. Why well, do it again? This is something that should characterize us as the people of God, should characterize our lives. The second um, command it gives you is to lift up your hands. As well as speaking out praises, we are to lift up our hands. So we use our mouths, but we also use our bodies. They come together with our emotions attached to it all that. It's a physical demonstration of what you're feeling. Anyone who knows anything about body language, you can tell what people are thinking by the way their demeanor, how they're standing. Someone can walk into the room and you can tell whether they're happy in a good mood or you can sometimes tell them, "Uh uh-oh, they're not in a happy mood. Let's just, you know, either stay away or find out what's going on because the body is involved as well. And here it says... Hands are being lifted up. Hands can be lifted up in celebration. Friday night. Villa won their first game of the season. They can be lifted up. That can happen. And the same day, wasn't it? England were all out for 67. Body language. Very, very different. But hands can be lifted in celebration. But here, the emphasis isn't just lifted in celebration. You are to lift your hands towards God. This is an appeal. This is an appeal for help. This is a recognition that actually God is the source of everything. And we need his help and we need his provision and we need his grace and mercy in our life. And the pilgrims have come all this way and they're reaching out to God and saying, God, we need you. We need your help in our lives. We need you to watch over us, care for us, forgive us of our sin, all those things. And so these are hands lifted up in an appeal for God to come into their lives. I've got two boys. My youngest still does this to me now, Ash. He's seven, but he'll just come up and stand in front of me and do this. He doesn't have to say anything. He know, I know, okay. So he wants a cuddle. He wants a carry. He wants me to interact with him. He wants something from me, but he just stands there. Hands go up. Same kind of image. The people of God are lifting their hands towards God. And the physical expression is good. It's good to physically express how we're feeling. It seems we can do it everywhere, but church, we seem to struggle with it. If we're out doing something else, good news, we hug and we give people kisses and we we slap and we high-five, all those kind of things. We come into the church, it's like, Jesus saved you. And it's like, hmm, yeah, it did, didn't it? That's great news. But actually, we don't want it. It's good to express. Now, I appreciate some people are more demonstrative than others. That's fine. I'm definitely on the less demonstrative end of the scale. But we can all do it. We can express ourselves physically. And here they're saying, okay, you need to praise the Lord, speak well of him. But actually the command is to appeal to God for his grace and mercy and his help in his life. Cry out to him. And it was the purpose of the journey. If you think about this, they've traveled all their way. We've been through all 14 Psalms. We're now on the 15th one, the final one of this set And we're now kind of reached the culmination. And it is to praise God, to speak well of him, but also to appeal to God 
for his help in whatever we're facing, whatever's going on in our lives. He wants us to reach out to him. Second thing. So come now is a time. The second one, blessed by God, verse 3. It says, may the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. So we've had the call for God's people to praise him. And now it's like the, the, maybe the priest who was there is now speaking a blessing over the people of God. And this recalls uh, the famous priestly blessing you find in the book of Numbers, where it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. The message translation puts it like this. God, pro, uh, God bless you and keep you. God smile on you and gift you. God look you full in the face and make you prosper. And the, 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 the priest there is speaking a blessing over God's people. They've been praising, they've been worshipping, they've been called to call on his name, to appeal to him, and in return the, the priest is then blessing them. And it says that the blessing is from Zion, which is God's city, God's dwelling place, the very presence of God they're coming from. So where they are in God's presence, that's where it's coming along. And it's, this highlights one of those great wonders of worship, that as we look to God, as we cry out to him, as we lift up his name, as we praise him, as we give ourselves to that, in turn we receive. In turn we receive. It's not the reason we worship. We worship because God is worthy for all he's done, but... It is actually the result. We are changed as a result. As we stand and as we sing and as we praise and we, swim, we are reminded of God's love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and his sovereignty and power and his majesty and his healing and his adoption of us and the holiness and purity of God, his salvation in our lives, his control over all the things in the world and its uncertainty. And as a result of that, one hopes that our faith then rises because we're reminded of who God is. That our eyes are opened afresh to see this is the one we worship. Because the reality is life, day after day, getting on with it, busyness, work and family and home and all those things, our eyes get pulled away. We're dull people. We forget. We need to be reminded regularly. That's why we come weekly together to stand together to remind one another of the goodness and greatness of God. Because we, we have a tendency just to forget. And as we worship and as we face him and put our eyes on him, in turn we're reminded, oh yes, that's who he is. That's what he's done. And in one sense they're not new not like you learn anything particularly new, but they are fresh again. Yes, his love is for me. I've been adopted into his family. He is my father in heaven. He loves me and for me. I'm now holy and righteous before him because of what Jesus has done. I'm now a saint, no longer a sinner. What wonderful news. And as a result, we are changed. We are transformed bit by bit through this. And my hope, my heart, my prayer is when you gather together with the people of God, the one kind of question you should ask yourself as you leave is, has my faith risen? Has something in me gone up 
because I've heard a testimony about how God's done something in someone's life. We sang that song, which reminded me of that truth, which speaks to my situation. The word has been preached, and God's word has come forth, and I've connected with it, and I've I've dealt with sin in my life, or I've sought reconciliation over there, or I've been reminded that God is watching me no matter how bad or tough things in life get. And as a result, my faith has risen in him. And I leave slightly higher than when I came in, no matter the circumstances we're facing. And to underline this point, he finishes is that, May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. It's a reminder to the people of God as they leave that the one they've been praising the one who is going to bless them and watch out for them is the one who created everything. He created the heavens and the earth. And if we go back to the beginning of our Bible, we find that God created, the, uh, the theologians called it ex nihilo, from nothing. There was nothing. And God created and the heavens and the earth came into being. And this is the one we look to. All power and all authority reside in him and him alone. And so when it comes to whatever you're facing whatever's going on in your life, that's the one that you're talking to. That's the one that you're praising. What wonderful news. And if God can create the heavens and the earth out of nothing, you're easy. (laughs) Whatever you think, the flaws in your life, the things you know you struggle with, the things that are going on, the things you're facing that feel so overwhelming, those mountains in your life that we've seen in the Psalms, that they've cried out to God, it's just, it's too much. God is watching over. God has got it. He is not, he's not beyond his power. I said at the beginning, the big idea of this was the ultimate purpose of the people of God was to worship God. And it kind of reminds us there as we end, that's who the one we're worshipping. That great creator of heaven and earth who's over all things. Okay, let's have a little bit of application to finish. What are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with these psalms that we've been studying through and we're sort of finishing today? Well, there's one thing I want to look at today, and that is to give yourself to worship. Give yourself to worship. And I want to look at two areas. I want to look at give yourself to worship here and give yourself to worship at home. So first one, give yourself to worship here. The worship of the people of God is a corporate activity. It's something that we do together. It's something that the people of God are called to express as a, um, as, a, as a multiplicity, that there are many people involved. Yes, we do it on our own, but also we, we express it together. The book of Hebrews says, do not, do not give up the habit of meeting together. Be together, meet together, and as part of that meeting together, we should be worshipping God. And the onus is on us as Christians to be people of worship. We see this throughout the Old Testament where the people of God gathered. We see it in the New Testament where the people of God gathered. And as we read, we find things like Apostle Paul saying, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. That's what we're to do. We are to worship God. Hebrews uh, 13, 15 says, Through him, Christ, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So there's very much a verbal aspect. We speak out the praises of God. We sing it out together. And for us as a people of God, we gather weekly. That has been the habit of the church universal for 2,000 years, that the people of God gather together weekly as a corporate expression. And we make our pilgrimage from our homes 
roundabout, wherever they are, and we come together to wherever the people of God uh, gather. It began just in rooms, in homes. Eventually, through the history, they got nice buildings. But there are still plenty of places in the world people gather in homes or makeshift huts or whatever under trees in certain parts of the world. But we make that pilgrimage. And if you've done that for any number of times, you know that making that pilgrimage can be tough. Even if it's only two miles and you have a car, trying to get out the house on a Sunday morning can be difficult, especially if you add small children into it. But that's what we make our pilgrimage. We get here. We have to struggle out of bed. We make it to this time. And we gather together. And I just want to suggest some things to you that can help us as we worship together as a corporate body to make that an expression of praise to God and hopefully help one another. So what can we do to help each other worship God? First one, come on time. Yes, write that down. People aren't just looking at me and you. I see your phones out. Write that one down. We begin at half past ten. At half past ten, the countdown goes on up there. Five minutes. So we give you that little bit of grace. We've begun, but you've got five minutes. The five-minute countdown is to, for you, to finish your conversation. It's been lovely to see you. Great. I'm glad you had a good week or whatever you've done. We done your holidays. Blah, blah, blah. What are you can do tomorrow at Bank Holiday. Oh, the countdown's on. Let's, let's bring that together. Let's bring that together. You've got that last segment to grab that last cookie. You've already had two, but one more won't hurt. <laughs> to come in here. And get ready to worship God. When the countdown kicks out, don't be in there. Come a bit early, grab your drink, come in here. Get ready to be together with the people of God. Second thing, fill from the front. Trust me, this helps. Why is that important? Now, let's just caveat this. If you are new here, and this is kind of one of your first times, and you're not sure whether we're all weirdos, and you just want to check us out, that's fine. Go to the back, and then you can see everything, and no one's going to jump you, and you can see them come in, and that's fine. If you are a regular here, you've been more than four times, and you're part of the family here, help us out. Come fill from the front, because when we're worshiping God together, we want to create an atmosphere. We want people to be together, to be an excitement. If you go to a concert or watch a sporting event. People don't want to sit at the back and be far away. They want to be down where the action is. They want to see it. They want to be involved in it. Church is the same. Let's get together. Fill up the spaces. Be there. Be ready to go. Front foot. Okay, so when the bands start, we're all there, ready to go. We've got our kind of oomph in us. The next thing, prepare yourself. This can take seconds. You come in. We found our seats. Countdown's ticking down. Okay, we're going to be going soon. For a moment, you stop. Lord Jesus, I've come to worship you today. You are the focus. Holy Spirit, fill me. Let's go. It doesn't have to be much longer than that. It doesn't have to be much more than that. But you've basically cho- chosen to shift your mind from whatever else was happening, the work, the week, the family situation, the job situation, whatever it is, to put it on who it is and what's going on. Because... When we're doing that, if we make the effort to come in on time, to get here, get ready to go, because the one we're coming to see, the one we're coming to worship, is the creator of heaven and earth. And we were away on holiday. We, we drove, when we went to Northern Ireland, we drove to Scotland, got the ferry across, and then we were over to Belfast. But there's a five and a half hour drive from here uh, to the Cairn ferry port which is a long way, and we've got two small children in the back of the car, and we're like, what are we going to do? So we got some story 
stories on like CD that you can put in the car that they can listen to. And so we listened to a lot of stories, many of them twice. But we did the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe twice. Whole thing between the 12 hours we went driving there or driving there and back, total hours. Um, so we've listened to that. But if you ever know, do you know that story, the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe? There's one of the central characters is the lion, Aslan. And he comes into the story, but before he appears in the story, they talk about him. And the beavers talk to the kids, Aslan's coming. And there is a sense of excitement coming. And they're like, well, the kids in the stories are kind of the, they're the audience surrogate for us. Well, who the heck's Aslan? Well, Aslan's the king. What? He's the king of Narnia. And he is returning. And he is the lion. And you can feel this ripple of excitement. My boys hadn't heard the story before. And they're like, who's Aslan? Who's Aslan? Aslan's the king. And they're like, oh, going to meet the king? The king's coming? And then when they get to the stone table with all the animals gather and the kids come in, there's that kind of build up, build up, build up. And suddenly the lion appears. And there's that anticipation. We're meeting the king. And he's there and he's awesome. And we saw, we, um, I don't know if you know, C.S. Lewis was born in Belfast. And if you go into Belfast, there's a place called C.S. Lewis Square where they built all these incredible sculptures of all the characters from the land in which the world. You start with the wardrobe and as you go down, you meet Mr. Tumnus and Jadis the White Queen and Morgrim and all the others. And then finally when you get to the end, you see the lion as that. And he's huge. And he's mounted up high. So you've got these big steps that go up. So he's probably about this high off the ground. And then he appears. And so there's that. When we walked in with the boys, there was that. Because <gasps> you, there he is. <laughs> we found him, the king. And when we come to worship, that's what we're doing. We're coming to worship the king. And the danger with us, danger can be, that we see Jesus as someone who we can connect with, who loves us, who's full of grace and mercy, and he ministers to the outcasts and the poor, which of course he did. And you see him in the stories that we read what he does, and he shows such wonderful humility, and, it's just, and he dies on a cross. But the reality is he was and is and always will be the king of kings and ruling and reigning in splendor. And next time we see him, everyone will. <laughs> and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. He is Lord of all. So when we come to gather and we say, come and early, fill the front, get ready to go, it's not just because I want that or the band need the help because, you know, it's awkward playing to empty seats. It's because we come here to worship the King. And we want to be ready. We want to give him the praise that he is due our name. Next thing, reconcile stuff. If you are out of sorts with other members of the church, get it dealt with. If you're out sort of with anyone, try and get it dealt with, but particularly on a Sunday context where you're coming together and you might have to see them, ha, that annoying person over there who was rude to me or let me down or something, reconcile it. If you know there are things here that you need to talk to someone about to work it through, do it. Be reconciled to one another. Practice showing mercy to one another and forgiving one another and then praying for one another. Do that now. Reconcile. There are things in your life that are out of sorts with people. Do what you can to reconcile it. Do everything. The next thing to help for, sing through every season. In a room like this with a number of bodies in here now, you will be facing all sorts of things. Some of you will be full of the highs of summer and good weather and holidays and isn't it going well and that's great. Some of you will be in the lows where you were dealing with pain and relational breakdown or bereavement or, or sickness in your body or problems at work or something, whatever they are, 
will have the whole range in here, just like, interesting, like the Psalms. They've got the whole range of human emotions and human situations. Whatever you're facing, whatever you do, I encourage you to sing through it. When we come to gather together, there's a moment for us all to be focusing on Jesus. It won't necessarily change what you're going through. It might change your perspective on it. But actually, we as the people of God ultimately are to sing through those seasons. If you bring those psalms, they can often start with David and others crying out to God saying, you know, I'm in such a bind. These enemies are coming. Can you kill them for me? All that. But they usually end with praise and recognition. God, you are sovereign over all things. And you are with us, whatever it is. Last one, for, particularly for a church like us. If you have kids, involve them in what you can. We've got a lot of children in this church, which is a wonderful gift. We love them. Um, but if you're a parent here and you have small children, do what you can to involve them. I know personally what this is like. When we began the church, I had one child who was one year old. I've now got a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old. And I've stood at the front the whole time, and I've had to lead them, Melanie and I, through all of that, growing up, through all the kind of highs and lows of kids who couldn't care less what we're doing, who couldn't care less about Jesus, the fact that we're singing. I've had children swinging on microphones as you're trying to speak. I've had all that kind of thing. But we keep persevering and saying, come on, guys, we're here to worship Jesus. Who's Jesus? What's it about? Let's get ready. Let's sing the songs. And we have certain amounts of success and certain amounts of failure, but we try whatever we can to involve them and to help them. We teach them the songs. The songs we sing up here, we play at home so they know them. They, they, they get familiar. Are we going to sing that one song about the lion today? I said, I don't know. Should we go and talk to Phil and see if we're going to sing it, see if we can have some spiritual karaoke? You know, can you, we, we make a request. But they, they get into those songs. We play them in the car so they, they understand them. So at least when we're singing, they're like, oh, I know that song. I'm, I've heard that. We sing that at church. We try what we can. But do what you can to talk to your kids, involve them. It's not easy. <laughs> I've been there. Whatever you've suffered, I've suffered with them as well. But we try and involve them. Last thing. Give yourself to worship at home. Whatever you get time, whether it's at home or on a commute to work or, or whatever it is, those moments not in this context, give yourself to worship. Listen to worship music. You've got um, Spotify. There are streaming services. You, I use YouTube because YouTube basically has everything on it. You have any song you like the sound of, you type it and there'll be some video or someone's put up a lyric video or there's a music video released by the the music company or whatever that you can sing along to. You can get it, so you can do that. You can get streaming services that put together playlists. You type in a song and they dump another bunch of songs that are sort of similar. So you can have a listen to that, discover new music. You can listen to a whole bunch of stuff. Listen to old stuff as well. Don't just the new stuff. The new stuff's great. We were at New Day at the beginning of August with 7,000 teenagers, some of them from our church, and we went into the meeting on the first night and they're all pumped up and high. They had a DJ before it started. The kids, oh, you know, completely, I hated it. But they were there. They were looping. You know, all that kind of stuff. Thinking, oh, my goodness, here we go. And we were there. And then the band came up, and they started singing a song. And I thought, as we sang this song, I thought, this is not a new song. They've, they've done it in a funky kind of way to connect with the teenagers. But I thought, there's no way. I knew because the theology was so rich. I thought, this cannot be a new song. And so... I, look, I went and looked it up. Guess when? 1779. John Newton. It's the amazing grace guy. It wasn't. It was how sweet the name of Jesus. But, they, but as I said, I thought, and they were going for it. And I thought, brilliant. There's some great old stuff as well. So don't forget that. So there's great songs, new and old, to listen to. If you really want to go old school, you could try one of those things they call compact discs. Apparently there's music on them now. 
that you can listen to as well, but they'll have some uh, music as well. So whether it's in the car, whether it's on your phone or your computer, whatever you use, listen to stuff, practicing them, get it on there, get your kids involved, sing it with them. And the last thing about home, practice speaking out your praises. When you're alone, it's it's good to listen to stuff, but actually the psalm also commands us to then speak it out. So we don't just imbibe. It's almost like you could get spiritually fat. If all you do is consume and don't exercise anything out, if all you do was eat food but never exercise, it wouldn't be good for you. And the same with we can imbibe all this stuff, great, but let's practice pushing it out. So when you're alone and you're in the car, you're doing the washing up and the music's on, practice speaking out your praises to God. God, you are amazing. You are awesome. I worship you. You are sovereign over all things. You control my life, the good and the bad, and that is just amazing. Practice that. Speak out your praises. I know for some of you who have become Christians recently, the idea of speaking out or praying out is just frankly intimidating. And it can be when you're in a room of professional Christians who kind of think, well, they've been doing it for like 20 years. They know what they're doing, and I'm new, and how do I pray? Practice beforehand. That's fine. On your own, practice. Get more confident. Oh, yeah, I can do this. I can. All I'm doing is speaking to my Father in heaven. All I'm doing is reminding myself who he is and what he's done and how great he is. Practice, practice, practice. All right. I'm going to stop there. Do you want to stand up? We're going to finish. I'm going to pray. Can the band back come back up? And we're going to put into practice now what that psalm has said. If anyone want to move forward to the front, you can do that. No pressure. But we're going to sing. We're going to speak out our praises to God. And why don't you have a practice now? When the band are making a racket, making a noise, you can just sing along or you can sing out your own praise or speak out. It doesn't matter. It's all to remind ourselves of who God is and what God's done. So I'm going to invite you, like the psalm, come, servants of the Lord, praise the Lord. Now is the time to worship. So do you want to just close your eyes? I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us. Because as he fills us, he will help us, give us words to speak, words to praise. We'll have the band that will be singing and we can sing the songs to get us going. And we're going to speak out that praise. Lord Jesus, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you that you came to earth. Lord, I want to thank you that you came and you died in our place for our sin. Lord, I thank you that though we were slaves... With no way out, you came and rescued us. You came and redeemed us. You didn't just free us from sin, though, but you put our feet on a rock. You clothed us in righteousness that wasn't our own so that we can come now boldly into the presence of God and praise him. We don't need a priest. We don't need a sacrifice because you are the ultimate sacrifice. We don't need robes or a special place or to earn it, or to come certain times of the year, we can just come right here, right now, before you. Lord Jesus, you want to say we love you. Lord, we praise you. Let's worship.